My name is Keith Beavers, and I was recently asked, like, you love peanut butter so much, dude. Like, what's your favorite brand? I had to think about it for a second. I was like, what day are we talking about? What's going on, wine lovers? Welcome to Vine Pairs Wine 101 Podcast. My name is Keith Beavers. I am the tastings director of Vine Pair and what is good with you? Horns and moons and nettles and earth and biodynamics and what does it all mean? And I know some people might think it's weird and it can be, it can sound weird, but it's pretty cool stuff. So let's understand biodynamics so we can be good with it. Wine 101 is sponsored by Gallo Family Vineyards, a proud partner of MasterCard's Priceless Planet Coalition. For every bottle of wine sold where legal, Gallo Family will purchase a tree. And the coalition's goal is to plant 100 million trees by 2025. Why? Because reforestation helps reduce climate disasters. And let's face it, trees make Earth amazing. I mean, have you seen the moon lately? Like, no trees. To find Gallo Family Vineyards and other wines we talk about, follow the link in the episode description to BarrelRoom.com. Okay, wine lovers. The thing is, where we're at in our history of drinking culture in the United States, you guys all know about organic wine. And last episode, I hope now you know even more about organic wine and how it all began. And for me... Coming up in the wine world, it just so happened that my comeuppance was at the same time as the realization and the dominance of the organic movement. It, like My business partner and I bought a restaurant and opened a wine shop, started doing all that, and then the organic movement happened, and it just kind of took over everything which was great. Everyone was ordering, we were ordering more organic wine, people understanding what organics meant and all this stuff. And it was cool. And then somebody came to me once and said, hey, here's a wine. I'm like, oh, this is organic? Like, no, this is biodynamic. I'm like, what does that mean? And when they explained it to me, my head was just dizzy. I'm like, what are you, wow, this is just wild stuff what you're talking about, moons and horns and stuff like that. We'll get into that in a second. But for us in the wine world, it was brand new, biodynamic. What is that? It's, it's this crazy sort of like very intense form of, of organic agriculture. So obviously I had to look into all of this and it, it, it took me on a crazy journey. It was a lot of fun. I actually um, was able to hang out in vineyards that did biodynamic farming and I got to see this stuff firsthand. It was, we'll talk about it in a second. It's, it was really amazing. But the thing about organics is for some reason, we can wrap our heads around organic agriculture, compost, non-man-made stuff and all that. Biodynamics and biodynamic agriculture, when you start explaining this to people, it goes from understanding an organic idea to this sounds like a cult. <laughs> it has this really sort of almost fantastical fantasy realm sound to it, almost like, you know, the Renaissance Fair or like D&D. <laughs> and I got to say, the history of this movement is rooted in the mind of one man, Austrian philosopher, occultist, social reformer, architect, and esoterist, 
Rudolph Steiner. This figure, this human, this man was just out of this world, ahead of his time. I don't know what you want to call it, but he was into everything that that was about spirituality, science, and the earth. He was also a self-proclaimed clairvoyant. So you can kind of get a sense of why whenever he came, whatever he came up with, people would take with a grain of salt. And at one point during the 1920s, when all these farmers were worried about this NPK stuff, he did a series of lectures on his ideas of how to bring nature and or an agriculture back to the pre-NPK days. And this is what's so crazy about this whole thing is this thing, these, these series of lectures that he did made such an impact on agriculture in general with this whole organic movement and stuff like that. But also he had never really put these practices into, into, into play. He just had ideas about it. He actually, when he was done with his lectures, was like, okay, now go out and do that and let me know if it works. And people have been putting these practices into play and have seen results they think are incredible. So the series of lecture really just had a few um, specifics and then it kind of blossomed or branched out from there. And we'll use the word vineyard instead of crop because we're talking about wine today, right? Wine lovers, the whole idea is the vineyard should become a self-sustaining, quote unquote, what they call farm Organism. Remember, I mentioned that in the previous episode. So your vineyard must be one organism. Then it should be treated regularly with nine specific herb and mineral-based biodynamic preparations. We're going to talk all about that to apply to this organism to help feed it, give it life, sustain it so it has its own strength. Also, all vineyard work from pruning to picking... Uh, planting, even sometimes bottling, and that's a little bit that's a little bit different, should be timed with the rhythms of the earth, specifically timed to the lunar cycle and what is called the astronomical zodiac, not the astrological zodiac, the astronomical zodiac, astronomy, not astrology. Now all this predates the organic movement by at least 20 years. And in the 1960s, we start seeing winemakers in France or vine growers in France start using the biodynamic agriculture in wine, specifically in the Loire Valley. It was slow to be accepted by a lot of people because of what we're about to talk about. But in the late 80s, um, a former micro biologist who worked for the INRA, which is basically an international agricultural research organization, said that after testing it, the soils of Burgundy's vineyards contained, quote, less life than Sahara Desert sand. Burgundy, wine lovers. This man, his name was Claude Bourguignon, didn't really understand how biodynamics worked, but what he did state is that at this point in 1988, winemakers that were using biodynamic practices had better wine quality and also had more life in their vineyards. Again, this is before the organic movement. So this is sort of the first you know, indication that like, hey, 
this stuff can work if you improve the biomass and ecosystem of your vineyard and make it strong and healthy. Of course, by this point, the organic movement was kind of getting started. It started in 1972, like we talked about, and kind of gained and gained and gained. And as the organic movement became more and more popular, the biodynamic movement, the biodynamic idea kind of was put on the back burner because the organic movement had a global impact and biodynamics is a little bit different, but it be it because of the organic movement, we were able to bring biodynamics back to the forefront for a minute. And now it's just part of the whole sustainability thing, which we'll talk about in the next episode. But what is biodynamic farming, Keith? So we start with the first thing Rudolph said, right? He said that the farm needs to be one organism or one farm organism. So the vineyard needs to be one organism feeding off of itself and the natural additions and creating an ecosystem. So to create a farm organism or create the vineyard as a farm organism, you have to apply these nine herbal treatments. Okay. Now this is where things get a little bit this is where people start getting a little bit weird, but let me explain to you what these are so that you can kind of get a sense of it and it won't sound as cultish, if you will. The preparations have numbers. So there's preparation 500 through preparation 508 or 508. Each of these numbered preparations deal with one specific item individually that is then quote unquote dynamized into a nutrient-rich form, which will then be applied to the vineyard with benefits. And that right there is the definition of biodynamics. The word dynamize is, well, there's a couple definitions, but it means to make effective or to endow with force. So you have bio, which is basically earth, biology, and then dynam- dynamics, which is dynamizing. So you're dynamizing earth elements to bring back into the earth with new, like I said, benefits. Preparations 500 and 501 are, okay, get ready, horn manure and horn silica, respectively. So this is what happens. Cow manure is stuffed into a cow's horn. This is thought where all of the nutrients from the cow's hormones are. And also ground quartz stuffed into a horn. Those horns are buried in the vineyard where all the life of the vineyard lives for six months to a year, whether over the summer or over the winter. Preparations 502 through 507, bear with me here, is yarrow flower, chamomile buds, nettles, stinging nettles specifically, oak bark, and dandelion flowers. Now, these different items are often packed into animal organs like intestines or placentas or stomachs and buried in the earth, in the vineyard as well for six months to a year. 507 is valerian, which is mixed into water and stirred very rapidly in two directions to kind of dynamize it. And then 508 is what's called horse tail tea, which is an herbal spray as well. Okay, I know that was all very intense, but what's happening here? 
is different herbs and items are being buried into the earth for long periods of time during multiple moon cycles, of course. And if the moon turns the tides, it also raises and lowers the water table of our planet. So over time, these buried items are interacting with the ecosystem and of the vineyard and solidifying into nutrient-rich forms while conforming or symbiotically existing with all that ecosystem. And when all of these things have been dynamized, they're then unearthed and loaded with beneficial microbial nutrients. These items are then used to fertilize and help compost dynamize itself. Okay, so we went through the the 500 and 501. That's the horn manure and the horn silica. When that stuff comes out, I have smelled it. It does not smell like manure. It actually smells like baker's chocolate. It is amazing and rich, and it just looks rich with nutrients. That is turned into a spray, which is then put into the vineyard as a fertilizer. And also the silica ground into, it's, it's quartz ground into a very fine dust that actually helps dapple the sunlight through the canopy, encouraging photosynthesis. All this is do, all this stuff is doing is helping the vineyard naturally. The yarrow and chamomile and the nettles and the oak bark and the dandelion, all that, which is then unearthed, taken out of its uh, out of those sacks, that is then ground up and used to be put into compost. So in organic agriculture compost is really the best and only fertilizer that is being used. In biodynamic agriculture, it's the same, but requires an addition of these different preparations to dynamize it even more. It's believed that these nettle and chamomile and oak bark and all that after months and months underground are so nutrient rich, they actually increase the nutrient richness and biomass of compost. And 507 and 508 are also used as sprays. So what, this is what's happening here. The sprays, whether it's the, um, the manure, horn manure, horn silica, the valerian, or the horsetail tea, they have benefits. Like I said, the horn manure helps with soil life. The horn silica helps plant strength with photosynthesis and vigor and stuff like that. The herbal tea, herbal, <laughs> the horsetail tea, I guess it's an herbal tea, is used to prevent fungal disease. Now, the thing about these additions and preparations, they will work, but they work in vineyards that have been doing this for a while. If, if you know, we talked about in the last episode, it takes three years to convert a conventional vineyard into an organic vineyard. Well, that organic vineyard, even after three years, is still kind of getting back to health. So a biodynamic farming practice or biodynamic farming practices work in vineyards that are already organic. I mean, every biodynamic vineyard is technically an organic vineyard and then some. And also, as I was saying, um, moon cycles, lunar cycles, and the astronomical zodiac, well, those are used for timing. So preparations are often applied to the vineyard at certain times during the astronomical zodiac. And it gets a little bit detailed, but let me give you a quick example that I read in the Oxford Wine Companion. Okay, so biodynamic farmers, they see plants comprising of four organs, the root, the leaf, the flower, and the fruit. And they often apply these, they, they target these with the preparations throughout the year. Okay, here's the example. Spraying horn manure on the soil for root growth 
is most effective if the moon is in front of an earth slash root constellation, which is usually the bull, the virgin, or the goat. You see, here is where people think it sounds a little bit weird, but we're not talking about astrology here. We're talking about astronomy. There are 12 constellations astronomical in the astronomical zodiac, and as the moon and earth pass through these constellations, it's believed that the movement of the earth happens, and then these winemakers or grape growers will apply preparations to their vineyards during these most beneficial times. This would happen in any other agriculture. If you weren't doing organic or biodynamic agriculture, there is always a schedule of application, even if it's MPK. And this is just the biodynamics schedule of applications to agriculture. So that's biodynamic agriculture. Using the rhythms of the earth and the moon and the lunar cycle, along with items that are found in the earth that can be dynamized and put back into the earth with benefits in helping to increase the, 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 the strength of your vineyard. Very similar to organics, just a little bit more time involved. I mean, with organics, you can make composts and just it's readily available. But with biodynamics, you have to make these additions to because it is believed that they have even more benefits to the vineyard. And that's really it. That's those preparations and that, that those applications. That's what um, Rudolf Steiner was really talking about. There are other things that winemakers and grape growers do within the biodynamic organic realm that are not necessarily part of Rudolf's uh, lectures. For example, there's um, a pesticide used called, Sexual confusion, which is an awesome term, <laughs> sounds like a band name. Ladies and gentlemen, sexual confusion. And what happens is they crush up male insects to dust. They put them in these little pouches and put them in the vineyards. So then when other male insects of that species, which are, you know, in that vineyard, the reason why they're crushing them up is because they, they live in this vineyard. The males come in, all they smell is male pheromones and there's no, and it overwhelms the female pheromones so they peace out and they look to mate somewhere else. It's called sexual confusion. I've actually seen it. It's pretty awesome. I mean, I haven't seen like the male insects go away. Like, nah, I've seen the pouches. It's pretty cool. And for us in the United States, organic and biodynamic kind of came together to become popular. And one of the things that helped this along was a man named Jim Fetzer, who in 2001 created what he called a Mediterranean style biodynamic vine garden. He had gone to see biodynamic agriculture in Europe and he basically lost his mind. Like, this is actually absolutely incredible. So he came back to Lake County, California, and he created a biodynamic environment, a farm organism. And it's there to this day. And it was sort of, you know, it's California and it looked beautiful and, and he had the money to make it look nice. So it's biodynamic, but it's beautiful. And it really gave people a sense of, yeah, okay, this is cool. This can be sexy. This is great. And that kind of, it, it wasn't the spark, but it was one of the things that helped this movement get off the ground in the United States. But here's the thing. I want to wrap up with this. Organic farming and biodynamic farming does not guarantee good wine. Conventional farming does not guarantee good wine. 
good wine is made by the person, the human that does these things. Just because you're doing organic or biodynamic doesn't mean you're just going to naturally, mystically make a great wine. It does require work. And one thing to also know is that the organic and biodynamics, this, is, this has nothing to do with the current natural wine movement. The natural wine movement was born out of organics. It was born out of biodynamics, but it's a completely different thing. It is a movement that does use organic and biodynamic agriculture, but also allows certain things to happen, like I talked about in the listener episode, allowing certain things to infect a winery that give wine a certain kind of taste. So natural wine is not really about biodynamics and organics. Biodynamics and organics are a way of bringing agriculture vineyards back from a reliance on man-made fertilizers and all that stuff back to creating a farming organism. And whether you're doing organic organic or biodynamic, that's kind of what it is. You want that vineyard to live and thrive. You want to walk into it and see insects and and cover crops and and happy vines. That's what it is because happy vines make great juice and a good winemaker can turn that into beautiful stuff. So that is it. I hope by now you have a good understanding of organics and biodynamics and next week we're going to get a drill a little bit down. I got to stop using this drill thing. We're going to talk a little bit more about the sustainable idea and what's going on around the world. I'll talk to you guys next week. Find Pear Keith is my Insta. Rate and review this podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. It really helps get the word out there. And now for some totally awesome credits. Wine 101 was produced, recorded, and edited by yours truly, Keith Beavers, at the Vine Pear headquarters in New York City. I want to give a big old shout out to co-founders Adam Teeter and Josh Mallon for creating Vine Pear. And I mean, big shout out to Danielle Grinberg, the art director of Vine Pear, for creating the most awesome logo for this podcast. Also, Darby Seaside for the theme song. Listen to this. And I want to thank the entire Vine Pear staff for helping me learn something new every day. See you next week. E&J Gallo Winery is excited to sponsor this episode of Vine Pair's Wine 101. Gallo always welcomes new friends to wine with an amazing wide range of favorites ranging from everyday to luxury and sparkling wines. I mean, Gallo also makes award-winning spirits, but you know, this is a wine podcast. So whether you're new to wine or an aficionado, Gallo welcomes you to wine. We look forward to serving you enjoyment in moments that matter. Cheers. Visit BarrelRoom.com today to find your next favorite, where shipping is available.